Coming up on episode 20 of Across the Park podcast in affiliation with Liverpool Live Radio. Because if we win a game, we speak about everything. So it's not that we just then, oh, wonderful, we won, and never speak about it. To analyse is analyse in a, in a positive, like, you know, uh, that's a positive moment, and that's what we do. The Reds will be looking back at a difficult week after defeats to Burnley and going out of the FA Cup to Manchester United, whilst the Blues are buoyant after a fourth-round victory against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, happy to be back in the goals, and obviously I've worked hard to get back to full fitness as, as quick as I have done, and just nice to be back in the goals and, and to win the game. We have social media this week in history, and we are previewing four big games. Everton versus Leicester, Everton versus Newcastle United, and Liverpool travelling to Tottenham Hotspur and West Ham United. Today's podcast is brought to you by Camper Kings. When you have the freedom to choose... Where will you go? Hiring a camper van from Camper Kings means you've just bought a ticket to adventure. Camper Kings offer a stunning range of quirky camper vans and luxury motorhomes with modern and stylish features, providing you with a safe staycation escape. Adventure awaits at camperkings.co.uk and you can follow them on Instagram at camperkings underscore UK. For Across the Park listeners only, there's a free bottle of champagne and free insurance when you quote Across the Park. Welcome to Across the Park Podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, hosted and produced by a group of friends from both sides of the park. We pride ourselves in bringing you the very best conversation from the ongoing matters at both clubs, providing banter and debate. We also release regular specials with guests connected to both clubs, providing insight and interviews never heard before. The back catalogue of these shows is available on our website, Across the Park Podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe to Across the Park podcast on your favourite listening app and please give us a follow on our social media. Head over to Instagram or Twitter and search at Across the Park PC or Facebook search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to Across the Park podcast, episode 20 of the 2020-21 season. Just the one blue tonight, unfortunately, a numerous, uh, a, a plethora of uh, reasons. We had a, a bug that swept through the camp the last few days, and then we've just tried to launch a podcast with a uh, pricey, one of the blue panelists, but we had issues with with the software as well. So unfortunately, it's just myself, Judgy, but I assure you, Blues, I will be pushing it back to the Reds as much as I can this week. We've got Gary and Phil happily representing the Red side of the podcast, and as I've just. Um, alluded to then and as Millsy alluded to in the intro it's not been a great time for the Reds and we'd be we'd definitely be going through that with uh with with Phil and Gary and we're gonna as Terry always says we're gonna get right into it (laughs) I'm gonna start with the home game against Burnley the defeat the end to that fantastic run that you've had at home uh that amazing record you had and you were taken down you were diced Sean Deitch Liverpool nil Burnley won Talk us through that, Phil. I'll go to you first because well, Gary's got his head down. Like he's <laughs> Listen, all good things must come to an end, but when it when it does, you want to go out with a fight, don't you? Not a whimper and a limp, um, which is a bit like how that game went. Um, as he press someone, um, it carried on from the form we we had been in prior to that. Yeah, that's had- it. for me, it was it was just it was one of them. Unfortunately, that's been coming and. 
but there's no getting away from it. Our form of, of late has been abysmal, if not if if not for a better word. It's you know we're, we're not performing at all. Um, the 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 game against Burnley was just another one of the of a very similar performance of what teams have been doing at Anfield. They they come in, they have the low block, they try and hit us on the counter, they try and win free kicks and and get the ball in the box. They they play up to big strong centre forwards against what is basically a, a makeshift back back four, certainly a centre back pairing. Um, and on this occasion, it, it's managed to work in the in the event that they've won the game as opposed to just picking up a point or. Or make Liverpool whimpering over the line, um, and yeah, I, I say it, it has been coming, and unfortunately, it's it, it is the end of the run, and and it doesn't seem to be an end to it. Yeah, we went um, in that game. We, it was our ninth consecutive half of football without scoring a goal by the end of that game, and so like obviously you mentioned about the makeshift centre pairing, but it, it was Matip and Fabinho in that game, which isn't too bad, but the issue is is all at the other end of the pitch. But Terry called it. Me and Terry had a disagreement on, on the last podcast in I thought we needed to go stronger or that we would go strong. And Terry had a, a strong feeling we dressed players. We played Chamberlain, Origi, Amane in, in the front three. I suppose something needed mixing up. Maybe you're thinking Chamberlain will have a shot and Origi might be more of a natural finisher in some situations than, than Firmino. Um, but it certainly didn't work, did it? I mean, all the players I mentioned were poor on the night. Like, as much, as much as it didn't work, I do think if Origi puts that ball in the back of the net when he's got the one on the keeper, it's a different game. Yeah. But that's that's where the the quality of your of your fringe players comes in, isn't it? We haven't got that quality. He, he's not. We've been saying for a long time. All right, he's gonna he's gonna have a, a a place in a lot of Liverpool fans, if not all hearts, with what he's done in the European Cup and things for us. But um, he, he's not he's not good enough to be. The, the go-to player when when you need when you do need to maybe rest players or drop players yeah. you can't afford well, to when when he's your backup. Well, we are we are gonna I'm gonna definitely allow you to continue analysing the game because I'm really enjoying it. But it's probably a perfect segue to to get one of the earlier questions in. It was from Darren Roberts. He said, "What's our biggest problem we need to address?" Now, if you were to put it in, you've obviously spoke about the defenders, and that's an obvious one with the injuries. But you spoke about that lack lack of depth in there, Gary. Is that going to kill you as the season goes on? You know, competing on not only the Premier League front but the European front. I think one one of the things to mention though is the fact that we did address that issue with Jota, and unfortunately he got injured. You know, it, it's you can't go out and buy three new forwards, three new backup forwards. We we have done what we needed to do. We did buy someone to 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 compete for them places, and and he was competing for them. He, he came and he's probably been our most effective forwards this season. Well, bar Salah. Um, you know, with the goals he scored and 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 how he's chipped in, so it, it's been unfortunate. No, sorry, you said fringe players, didn't you? So we're not supposed to only talking about Arigi. Are we talking about your Minaminos and your Oxley Cham- Chamberlains? Are they all as good as what your your competitors have got? I think I think Oxley Chamberlain can be as good, um, but he needs to be fully fit and have had a couple of games under his belt. You know, a fully fit and fully f- and full fire in Oxley Chamberlain is is as good as any fringe players. You know, I I wouldn't say he's necessarily uh, good enough to be a permanent starter, but he's definitely good enough to have been in around the squad. But at the moment, he's not fully fit yeah, and he's that's not. A bit of a, that's a bit of like um, a catch twenty two, though, isn't it? Because you're saying if he's fit and firing and playing loads of games, he's good enough to be in the squad. So if you're fit and firing and playing loads of games, you're in the team, aren't you? So. I think yeah. when Ox isn't playing, he's sloppy. 
he's sloppy. He's a sloppy. Yeah, yeah. Just... I, I, I do. T- I do tend to agree. To be fair, and Minamino, he, he's one that I think the the risk to reward was was there to be to be taken. You know, the eight million pound fee for for what could have been if if he'd have the ground running the way you know the way he was performing for Salzburg when we played them and things like that. I think that. They've tried. They tried something there, and it hasn't. For whatever reason, it hasn't worked. I can see why we bought him. His profile fits the same as Bobby does. So he presses really well. He wins the well. He presses aggressively. He tries to win the ball back. He sort of uh, will find the space in the hole. His link play is quite good. That's what the profile of the player was. But when he does press, he gives fouls away. When he does have to make a good decision, it's not as good as the decision for me. No, would make, and he's just weaker in every area, isn't he? So, I mean, it's not good enough, really, is he? No, he, well, he doesn't. He certainly doesn't seem to be what we what we have seen. There's been little little flashes in the pan, but not on, not a major to set where you'd look at him and think, yeah, we're happy for him to go into the team and and have a spell in the team at the moment. Um, you know, there, there has been other players. There's been Cater. Cater was signed for big money. He was, he was supposed to come in and be a, a, a mega sign and take us to that next level. That hasn't worked out either. It's just that, that that's that's like a big one that is, you know, because of the fee and the expectation. That that's a big one that hasn't worked. The Minamino one is is little fee, little. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it could have been a big reward. It, it, it was. It wasn't really much risk. Um, Oxley Chamberlain. He's. He's been blighted with injuries as well, which is which has been unfortunate for him. Similar with with when we had Danny Ings, you know, he he could have probably been a player for us Ings without his injuries. You know, seeing what he's doing at Southampton now, Oxley Chamberlain for me could could have been a player and 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 still could if he can stay keep himself fit and get himself back to match fitness and and do the things we know he can do. But at the moment, he's not doing it. But can I, I know I've I've just pointed at the fringe players in Origi and saying they're not good enough, but we can't really look at them when the first team are playing as well. You know, it's not like the first team are, play, are firing all cylinders and then they're letting us down. Not hardly any of the team. That, if that's, any. that's what it's about, though, isn't it? That's what you've you're calling the fringe players, but your fringe players really should be good enough to have an extended run in the team when players aren't because you don't want players who are just going to be. Oh yeah, you play a couple of games until he's until he's sharp again. Because when you when you do compare it, and we're obviously going to come on to the United game in a moment, you're looking starting to look at some of their players and think, well, you know, the Mason Greenwoods who come in, he'll be expecting to play this weekend. You know, he, he's played that well, and, and and he does that quite regularly for them. And and I suppose that was the question I was asking: Are those fringe players good enough, genuinely, to be in that team if they play well, or are they just a stopgap until your Firmino's and and Salas and, yeah. and Mane's get back I mean, again? Yeah, I don't think they are, no. But I think that's partly to do with when our first team's fit, fit and firing, it's a lot better than Man United's first team. So Greenwood yeah. might be expecting to get in the United team, but he wouldn't be expecting to replace Salah if he played for Liverpool, would he? So that that's that's one of the differences there. But look, a, a lot of like this issue with Liverpool's form over the last five games or whatever it is, like we've got a WhatsApp group with the Liverpool lads, and everyone's saying, "Oh, I think it's this. I think it's that." The internet's going crazy. Some people saying it's Klopp. Some people saying, "You know, it's the board and all." But for me, in all them games, we haven't seen our best midfield in what in any one of them. In that game in Burnley, we saw Shakiri in the in a midfield three, which I think's nuts. You know, I, I don't mind him maybe in a. Four two three one playing as the number ten or something like that, um, but not in your midfield. On the right, ahead of Trent, who gets forward, who leaves the right side of our defence exposed as well. Don't forget. So 
normally that'd be Anderson who then fills in for for Trent. We've we're playing Shakiri there. It's nuts for me. Um, I don't know why we won't just play. All right, injuries have prevented it a lot of the time. Occasionally, cops decided to put Henderson in defence, but for me, just play Henderson, Thiago, and Wijnaldum, and everything will be all right. But even then, as good as Thiago's been, and as amazing a footballer, which is clear to see that he is, it's not the familiar midfield that so much of our success has been based on, even if you put Thiago in there. And I've heard people say, I don't care, Thiago's got to play because he's phenomenal and all that, but has he? Has he got to play just because he's good? If it's not, I think the... at the moment, I think at the moment he's got it with Fabinho yeah. to play centre back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But if we had a centre back, if we've signed someone right in January, and we've got you know Matip and a another signing, if you know that was was to happen, which I don't think it is, what what then? Because I can see what everyone else can see with Thiago, but I can also see the faults, which is like. The way he tackles is a little bit rash. But that's, but that's the position you want to be in. That's why you're signing these players. You want to have that dilemma, that selection dilemma. And yep. when Jota comes back, that's going to be a selection dilemma at the, for the front three. Well, I don't think it's even going to be a dilemma. I think Jota's no. going straight into the team. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if all if all the players were playing playing well, that is a selection dilemma and that's what you want. So that that's yep. why Thiago's there. So when Fabinho is, is able to go back into the middle, that will be on Klopp's hand, in Klopp's hands. Then what? What does he do? Is, is it going to be horses for courses? Is it going to be? Uh, is he going to do play different tactics with different players and different different? Uh, like the main point I'm making, Gary, is that we just haven't had that midfield for ages. The one that we based all our success on, and I think like the, a lot of the issue is just that. It in a way, it, I, I agree, but at the same time, there has been games where we've had chances that that the front three nine times out of ten, or in the past two years, would have buried every time. You say that, but I don't think... I can't think of many uh, Salah misses or, or Mane misses. They all seem to be falling to Bobby. Now, I prefer Firmino when he's setting them two up. And you you all you see them, all right, they start wide. But when they score goals, they end up in the centre-forward position in the box, don't they? That's what we haven't been seeing happening. So, there might have been chances here and there, and they might have felt a Firmino in the box... Well, how many times have you honestly seen Salah or Mane in the box having a good chance in this room? Because I can't remember it. Well, I was going to, sorry, I was, just, I was just going to ask that question at that point. Obviously, we haven't really covered the Burnley match that much as, as a game in general, but we're not Monday night football, so we don't have to do that. I was just going to make a point about uh, some of, you know, the main statistics that matter, which are obviously your, your league points and how they've been made up. Only Brighton have drew more games than Liverpool this season now. Do you think that's a feat to Burnley at home? And now that that monkey is off the back of, you know, not losing a home for so long, is going to make the team a little bit more expansive and, and less bothered about getting beat? Because the seven draws is what's really killing you in your points tally, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the draws is because we haven't been able to find a way to score late on. Um, we had a message in from someone who mentioned... You know, he thought our lack of crowd was hindering Liverpool. I put it in the WhatsApp group and you laughed it off, Judgy, saying, you know, everyone, no one's got a crowd. It's a bad excuse. Yeah, it is. I it think, is a bad excuse. <laughs> well, it does affect other teams more than others, I think, because on one hand, people are so quick to credit the 12th man for Liverpool, making a massive difference. To, even if it comes to, like, even if it's as simple as getting decisions, you know, people say, oh, you win decisions, you win pens in front of the cop, the cop pushed the team on. When we play in the second half and we play towards the cop, 
they suck goals in. All well, my my point doesn't exist the next week. Yeah, but- I know. All right, and I I completely get that and accept that. But my point was, you've never won the league and then had to try and follow it up by winning the league again. That twelfth man, you don't know what that twelfth man's going to look like. In the Premier League, in this area I'm talking about, before he's come back and go, we've done it in the 80s and all that <laughs> time, but it was a long, long time ago. And it's a, and it's a different fan culture now. We've all talked about that. The fans are expecting more. There's more corporate fans than there used to be. That 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 impact of the fans when you've suddenly went from an all-conquering team to bladdering every team you play every week to, to not being to being completely limp and, and looking like you aren't really almost applying yourselves in the same way that the impact of those fans might not be as positive as they had been in previous seasons that's all I was suggesting I mean you can't yeah. just go oh he'd be fine he'd be right behind us as they always are and all that well, well, you've never experienced winning the league and having to follow it up again in the Premier League I think what I'll add to counter that judge is to say could I imagine the Liverpool crowd to be flat at the end of this run yeah absolutely but they might have just we might never have been on that run if we would have just nicked the first result against uh, West Brom in the first place it's it's such fine margins, isn't it? So it is. It is football, but football is yeah. defined by fine margins. Yeah. Um, right, we are going to move on to the Man United games. We're going to cover that before we move on to to Everton, which I'm which I'm keen to do. Um, Manchester United three, Liverpool two. Uh, it was certainly a more um, a more attacking, creative display. You created lots of chances. You looked a lot more sure of yourselves in front of goal, but unfortunately, you you were exposed at the other end. What what other th- what I thought about the game was it was a it was a classic had to be decided on the night game. Yeah. There was no there was no chance of a draw. It was it was a case of both teams knew they had to go and win the game as opposed to settle or you know when it got to the last fifteen minutes settling for the draw because it was still going to go on to extra time and penalties if need be. Um, I think that's where the goals have come from. It's where the more chances have come from. That's why the game was a lot more exciting than the league game was. Uh, a lot more expansive. You know more chances. I did think, but you know, taking the results out of it for a, for a neutral, the, the classic line, it was a bet, it was a good game for the neutral. You know, mm. I, I think the way the game played out, I thought we were the better team. Um, you know, I don't think I, I think they they obviously had the tactics, as, which is what they tend to do against Liverpool to try and hit us on the counter, which they they've done most of this season to be fair, and it's worked for them, which is why they were sitting at the top of the league. But um, I still think we had the better chances. Thought we were we were the better team. We controlled the game. It, it, we we looked a lot better than we have done in recent weeks. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I I agree with you. I think it's I think it's a bit of a stretch to say you controlled the game because you didn't control the ability to stop any of their counter attacks. Really, I think every time they went forwards, they looked like they were gonna score, and that's why it was a good game for the neutral to watch because you were controlling more of the possession. But you look like you could score with your possession, and United look like they could score at will with their counter. So I, I wouldn't quite we say he's gaping, in the game. We had a gaping hole, and it was a blatantly obvious issue, and we never saw it. Not to everyone, Phil. <laughs> um, well, that's an, yeah, exactly. You've got a good point. Um, but it was obvious, wasn't it? Watching, and you could see. And, and like my big issue with it was that we never sorted it. We had the warning. We had a few warnings, and then the get then the goal because. Obviously, Rashford kept breaking down the left, didn't he? Um, Trent was obviously... I think Trent was told to push very high in that game in order to try and stop all this, like not being able to score, lashing crosses in from deep. This time, he was told to play particularly high, I feel. And he was getting caught out. But if you think about it, he was told to play really high and he had Williams in behind him. 
exposed to Buddy Rashford, Cavani. It's nuts. I was just thinking, what the hell are we doing? And we didn't have anyone filling in when Trent was going forward. Paul Williams, the poor lad, was left exposed against Marcus Rashford one-on-one time and time again. And I just thought, what's going on here? And why, why are we showing no effort to like, fix this problem? Did you feel like that, Gary? I, I do agree to a certain extent that he, he was very much exposed, but you can't take away the fact that he had a really poor game. You know, and it's not the fact that he got exposed by a a, a class forward, um, and he's only a young kid. He was he was making basic errors. He was he was having air, air shots trying to clear the ball. He was his positioning was off. He was he was th- throwing going to ground too easy when when he just needs to stand up and just thought he, he he I think that the occasion maybe got to him. Now you'd have got to temper that with him being a young kid. You know he, he is he is still learning the game and and how many how many. Nineteen-year-old uh, centre backs you see going into the into top top um, centre back pairings in these big games. You, you don't see many. Uh, I think if you look if you look around the the, the league and and even the European leagues, there's there's not many under what twenty four that are centre back pairings who are, who are the mainstay of the teams. So it is it is a tough uh, time for them. And, and you know we we did back them. I know and we know Judge sort of had had a little gripe about him after the Tottenham game and, and, and we, we backed him after that with the, you know the, the performance against Son and Kane but uh, since that he, he, he hasn't looked like yeah, the, the I... same player as in that game and, and as I say you have got to temper that with the fact that he is only a young kid and it's, he's, he's definitely not going to come into his own until he's at least a couple of years older but he, he's I, I agree that the Paul has had a terrible game but even more so to protect him then isn't it it's obviously and you you know you you've you bottles it basically. It's even worse. Then you can't get anything right, can you? And I think that's basically what happened to him. And I was flabbergasted at, at the way that we that the way that we just left Trent to do what he wanted up there and, and he was so exposed. But Especially But maybe maybe he's trying to get Trent out of this rut that he's in as well though and, and get give him some some more freedom to go forward. All right, that that has hindered us in the end with with Reece Williams, but maybe it's maybe it's trying to release Trent a little bit so to oh, maybe get him out of his head as well. And and it worked to a certain extent. You know, we was having some some joy down that side, and you know, we 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 were creating the better chances and bit and and you know, in, in my opinion, probably should have won the game, but unfortunately, there's there's been a a couple of errors there that have that have cost us and. You know, the, even even down to the free kick that they scored a winner from, it, it was just it was daft. It was a proper proper midfielder playing and centre back challenge. That that's what it was. Well, well, it's the perfect chance again to segue that that we had quite a lot of messages, as you can imagine, over social media from quite disgruntled Liverpool fans. A lot of them centering around very similar uh, subject or issues. Andrew Branch and Gary both. With similar messages, Andrew saying he's fuming at the arrogance of the board and the, the Liverpool management of not bringing in a defender and leaving the likes of James Milner to cover. Um, you know, for for being obviously for for extended periods, Jordan Henderson and now a nineteen year old lad that the club have hung out to dry. Um, Gary Gary going a little, a little bit further, but on a similar line, saying that the the transfer strategy is failing. He, point, he points to the sign of Simicass um, in the summer, which seems like he hasn't really been challenging Robertson. I know he's had injuries. He also points to the signing of Naby Keita last year as being a massive failing. And there was one more as well. Minamino. 
Minamino as well, which I know you pointed at Gary before, is it was a bit of a, you know, it was a very small risk to take for a potentially large reward if it if it came off. But how do you how do you respond to those two? I suppose first with Andrew Blanc, Branch, Blanc, so, yeah, Branch, sorry, yeah, um, but, saying that it, it's been arrogance from the Liverpool management. Well, I I don't think that the issue is that we think we're okay without a defender. So that would work. That would be if we thought that. That would be where the arrogance comes into it. Um, we are in January, though. I know there's been a lot of movement. European clubs have been have been signing, making a lot of loan signings across Europe. It hasn't happened much in the Premier League, but there's been a lot of movements yeah. in Europe of loan players, not big fees, but you know players to just fill gaps. Just You're not there. telling me there's not an experienced centre back out there that maybe isn't getting game time. Well, I think Socrates uh, got got uh, released, didn't he, by Arsenal? And apparently Liverpool approached him. Um, don't know how much truth is in that, but I think it is true that we that we at least approached them. I don't know what that means because why wouldn't you just offer him a contract? Did we or, or didn't we? Yeah. Well, we? We spoke to him anyway. Apparently, um, Klopp had an interview in the press. He sounded quite frustrated. So, um, Basically, just saying. Basically, he said that he's told the board that he wants a de- wants a defender. So I don't know whether it's a financial thing, whether we we're spending big money on someone. Maybe I forget the lad's name. Umpa um, Upa Meccano. Maybe we've got him for seventy million or something like that coming in the summer. So they haven't got fifteen or twenty to spend on someone else. Don't forget, we still don't know when fans are coming back. So could just be a financial thing, but. I don't think it's the arrogance of we don't think we need one. But Gary... I agree. I agree. Are we throwing the league away if we don't just get someone in? Um, well, there's, there's no guarantee either way, is there? You know, the, if we get someone in, who's, that's Socrates. If we'd have got him in, he'd have played the way he played for Arsenal. We'd have thrown the league away anyway. You might as well play Phillips. You might as well play me. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, so yeah, I, 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 it's not easy to say, is it? We obviously know it, that there is a, a, a problem there. We need a centre back, if not for anything else, just to, to have Fabinho back in his in his usual role as well, which will will help massively. Um, as much as good as he's playing at centre back, and, and he is, you know, without him, we'd have absolutely been screwed. But um, to have him move back into his, his into his usual position in the midfield and, and give Henderson that that little bit of extra freedom, give Wijnaldum that little bit of extra freedom. That because they're obviously having to restrain themselves a little bit more to do multiple roles that Fabinho covers for them. Um, well, Gary, was this issue? Does this issue go all the way back to when we let Lovren go? I mean, we are better with Lovren, aren't we? Does it? Oh, because for me, uh, I, I think I've heard uh, quite a few people saying this, but what I'm thinking there is they've let Lovren go, known full well that that they're not bringing anyone else in by the looks of things. They've got Van Dijk, Gomez, Mata. And they probably thought we're bringing Thiago in. Fabinho can cover that at, at worst case scenario. Unfortunately, worst case scenario has actually happened. And yeah, yeah. Van Dijk and Van Dijk and uh, Gomez are out for the season. Matip is, is obviously we know can't play two games in a week. Thiago's then got injured when he came in, so he he then couldn't fill in the in the midfield while Fabinho is playing centre back. Just everything's come at once. It, it's. You know, it, they are excuses, and 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 you know, I'm not trying to say that we'd be everything would be rosy because there's no guarantee everything would be rosy. But but there is, there has been major injuries. Do you know the way you're saying that there? And like, I've been going through this in my head, and you know that makes a lot of sense. But 
I remember last season, and we were down to our fourth-choice defender a lot of times. And when we let Lovren go, I remember thinking at the time, well, if we have a repeat of last year, we needed Lovren. So who's going to fill in this year? But not necessarily, though, because if by that, you'd either probably played Fabinho in there and and all things being well, Thiago slots into the midfield and you've, yeah. you haven't really disrupted it that much. Yeah. So with, with Van Dijk, Van Dijk's the big one. With Van Dijk getting that injury, because we know Gomez does pick up knock here and there. We know Matip can't play two games in, in a week. But the Van Dijk being out for the season has, has really knocked us. But then add that to go. It's not just Gomez having a, a spell out here and there. He's the season as well. It's a massive thing, which is why mm. everyone's so, you know, amazed that we haven't gone in, into the market in January for the centre half. But as you said, there we, we know what Liverpool are like. If if, our, if we've got our eyes set on someone and we know we're getting them in the summer, we won't just get a stopgap in because how how do you sell that to them? You know, you're you're coming in, but we're going to be signing this player in the summer who's going in as to partner Van Dijk. I've heard people say, Gary, there's we've got Klopp at the minute. We've got a certain team. Opportunities to win the Premier League don't come along often. We've maybe got a five-year spell here where we've got a few opportunities. By not bringing someone in, someone in in January, we're just saying, well, we're just throwing one of those opportunities away when we could just spend maybe 12 mil or get someone in on a loan and, and fix the problem. Frustrating. Do you think that fixes the problem then? I suppose that was one of the questions before. From from Adam Roberts, what's the biggest problem to address? You think that a twelve million pound centre back, it you know, takes you to retain in the league? I think when Jota comes back, um, and you've got Henderson being in the midfield, yeah, I do. I think we're sorted then. So you think you think he's win the league then? With, if, Jota, if Jota comes back like in the next couple of weeks, Henderson's in the midfield, and we've got Henderson, Thiago, Wijnaldum, Jota, Mane, Salah, yeah. You haven't mentioned any defenders there, so you're just saying with a twelve million pound defender, let's say for example, yeah, well, defender allows that to happen. Uh, any defender, so alongside, uh, you know, got to be good enough, haven't they? Obviously, it's got to be better than what we've got. I'm not saying twelve yeah. million definitely finds that man, and I can't. I've heard people suggest players. I've heard someone suggest uh, me, not me. <laughs> 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 the defender, me. But, ben, me. You know, ben, me. They're not going to sell him. A few quid, Ben, me. You know. I know they're not going to sell him in January either. They're in a relegation no, no. battle. So, who's going to give you a defender like that? So, I don't know what's out there, really, who you can get. That's the so, other issue. You know, it, it, it's all well and good. Everyone's saying we need a centre back, we need a centre back. But you've got to name your man. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to name them. And you, we obviously don't want to spend top dollar in, in, in January. So, who do you buy? It, it, it's dead easy. Everyone's sitting on the couch and, and saying, yeah, we need a defender. Yeah, we need a defender. We know we need a defender. We know that. The, 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 there's no two ways about it. Klopp knows that. The board knows that. Everybody knows it. It's just, But who, who's available? Is there anyone available for, who's going to be good enough? I tell you what, Gary, I've swung firmly back to Phillips now, though, because I've never seen him have a, a proper nightmare. I've seen him look dead slow, but I haven't seen that result in him having an absolute nightmare like Williams has. And... I mean, plenty of defenders have been slow in the past. Carragher was slow his whole career. So, yeah, he's slow. And everyone's saying, oh, because of the way he slid in against that defender on Tottenham and he was like 10 minutes too late, he's too slow. But he's bossing the air. And maybe he can just do a better job than freaking Williams can. I think he needs a bit of a chance, Phillips. <sighs> I, I, I can't really disagree, to be fair. You know, it's, it's getting to a point I, where... I, you, 
we do need to play him. We 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 need to try him. If he, you know, if he goes in, <laughs> if he goes in alongside Fabinho and does a job, and you know, even if he even if he just does a good enough job, so that we don't see them sloppy goals and 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 then mistakes don't happen, then he's doing he's doing what we need to be done at the moment. I, I, I'm obviously not not on the training pitch every day, or I certainly don't see the players train at all. But I could have told Jurgen Klopp and his team that about eight weeks ago. Just keep Nat Phillips in there. Yeah. <laughs> you have to back that up, uh, G, with the fact that you know a bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and look at to, to reiterate what Gary said. He, he's spot on. Like he, he's a young, he's a young player, young lad, and 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 you know we're not in, in here on this podcast to start burying people's careers because. I'm sure he's still going to have a long and successful career, but at this moment in time, it's clearly too much, too early for him. Um, you know, he has a season at Kidderminster, but he clearly, psychologically, from a decision-making point of view, because they're not that error he made, Gary. You're talking about one where he's just uh, that—that's not like a technique thing. It's not like he can't volley the ball. It's just pure concentration. He's thinking about something else. He's thinking about the next ball before he's dealt with that one, and that's just pure inexperience. You, you know, you. I think I think Carragher was, was advocating that on his podcast. You're talking about he he done the basics really well throughout his career, and you'd never forget that as a as a as a defender. It's just all about doing the basics. Carragher was exhausted at the end of every game for, for, because of the concentration. So switched on, yeah. He said it was harder than any other position in the pitch, really. But um, yeah. for that reason, and and that that is what uh, Williams was lacking, unfortunately. Yeah, and and look, there there'll be an argument about that all day amongst a variety of different camps, but I don't think you're ever, you can ever coach that. I just think it's something that you either get and understand and appreciate. Um, maybe you'd appreciate it more or less as, as the years go on, or you, you know, you, you maybe don't rely on it as much if you're, a, if you're a more talented defender or, you know, naturally talented defender. But I just think that that's something that's got to sink in. Yeah. Another youngster, just like to quickly touch on Curtis Jones, Think we're um, selling him short a little bit by playing him out wide all the time. He's not a winger for me. He's not a winger, and I think uh, it's damaging him because when he's played central, he's looked brilliant and out wide um, and in front of Milner against United. There, I think he looks just like isolated, and I think it's yeah. Him. I think that happens to Oxley Chamberlain quite a bit as well, doesn't it? He gets. I know he's not a young player, like, but he he gets sort of lost a little bit when he's playing out wide. But yeah, I I would tend to agree with you with Jones. The only um, problem with that is, I think he looked good in the central role while Liverpool were looking good. I think when the when we the, the results maybe started to change and when the performances weren't weren't really there, his form just dropped off as well. That yeah. that that has sort of coincided with him moving out wide a little bit as well. But maybe he's been moved out wide because his form's dropped and as and he's not being as effective as we need him to be in that in that hole type thing. Mm. Well, when you play the four three three though, it doesn't leave a lot of room for someone to play in a hole. So I don't. I'm not sure four three three suits him. Yeah, maybe so. But he's he's that that type of player who you need to be creative, isn't he? He's he's not like a he's not like an industrial midfielder like Henderson or Wijnaldum. He is more of a a, a flair type player who's gonna who's gonna have taken ban on and create create uh, opportunities or you know have have his long shots like the the goal he scores in the FA Cup against Everton. You know, it, it's it's welcome. Got to get some sort of joy in, haven't I? <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, he, so maybe that's that is part of the reason he has been moved out. Why? Because his form was dropping off, or whether it's a coincidence it's dropped off because he's been moved out. Who knows at this moment in time? 
Yeah. Just going back to the Burnley game for a second. You remember Klopp and Dyche has, yeah. a, has a pure be- bit of beef in the tunnel. Who do you reckon has won that fight? <laughs> I've got no doubt whatsoever that Dyche will have absolutely mauled him. He, he might look scary with those like frowns he pulls Klopp, but Dyche can defo back it up. Yeah, six foot seven, though, it is six foot five, six foot six. Six foot seven? <laughs> well, he's about six foot five, though, isn't he? Well, isn't he going to play centre back himself then? <laughs> he did, didn't he? He did, yeah. He'd probably still, <laughs> still do a better job than some of them. I don't think he'd use his reach, though. I think he'd windmill, but I think I should throw the head in me. <laughs> <laughs> Straight away. No, he's always about that. I reckon he'd throw the head in and then he'd bear hug him after that to the ground and just absolutely <laughs> throttle him. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's yeah. So ending there on a funny note. So, um, blues uh, or red? Sorry, please, please give us your thoughts. I'm blues. I'm told blues have got just as many thoughts, but um, probably give, more. Give us your, give us your th- yeah, give us your thoughts on Gary and Phil's um, analysis of those two games and the current situation because it's obviously a, it's an ever moving piece. Um, and thanks to everyone who did send in the, que- in the questions through the website and social media. It, it did help with the discussion. Moving on to the Blues, obviously quite difficult for me being the solo Blue here, but we're going to start with the, um, or I'm going to start with the Everton-Sheffield Wednesday FA Cup game. Um, 3-0 to the Blues. Um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable and professional performance. I mean, we, we had the, the previous rounds against Rotherham, which, which caused us issues. Uh, we did field a, a strong team against Rotherham and, and we did the other night there was only Luca Dean who I believe was rested he's only just come back onto the scene he, he was rested uh, we had Michael Keane who was also rested um, and and apart from that it was a pretty it was pretty much a, a full full strength size that we put out and and thankfully it was a professional a professional job, job done by by the Blues um, great to see Dominic Calvert-Lewin back on the score sheet to, to state the obvious just just as important if not more important to see Richarlison on the score sheet, he's needed that goal. Um, he's grumpy at the best of times, but when he's not scoring it, it's even worse. But yeah, it was good to see him, him on the score sheet. And also, it was good to see him disappointed to come off because I think he felt as though there was more goals in it for him. And I think he, he'd probably be disappointed that he only got the one. Um, but for me, yeah, very professional performance from us. Um, and, you know, looking forward to the next round against Tottenham. It's a, it's a sort of the type of tie where prior to Ancelotti and, and, you know, Everton's recent sort of form, that's the type of tie you've been going out to in the last 15 years, isn't it? Like, a Chef Wedd-type team it, quite quite early on. So, there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, you, you can... I mean, Yeri Mina spoke about today in the, today in the press, actually. He, he played for a, a very successful team in Palmeiras, um, and, and, he, and he said it's starting to feel... Like the team have got that belief about them. They don't have to be playing well. They just approach games and know that as long as they stay in the game, that they're going to find a way to win. He said, and since he's been here, there's been nothing like that feeling. He said, but now, you know, walking into the dressing room on the training pitch, when you go out on the pitch, it feels like there's a bit more, there's a bit more commands about the players and, and they've got a bit more belief that that's going to happen. He said, that's come from the manager, but more than, more than anything, it's come from winning games and getting into that winning habit. Um, you know, you know, we spoke about you guys drawing a lot of games this year. We've only drew two. Our mentality has very much been: if we're not gonna, you know, if it's if it's level, we're gonna try and throw everything at to win the game. And if we don't, we get beat, and and, and that's it. But we're going out to win every game. Which is not very Italian, is it? <laughs> 
No, but that's that's a, a, a bit of a misconception of Ancelotti. He's not really that type of manager. You know, he does obviously he's got the foundations of that Italian, you know, making yourselves tough to beat. He doesn't play with a high press, which which a lot of people mistake it to be a defensive style of football, but it's not. It's just mm. the fact that he believes that if you can stay organized, you know, mm. you you've got a you've got just as good a chance of attacking with that same organization and, and, and playing with a bit more fluidity and having yeah. that freedom to play with fluidity. But yeah, it's we, we definitely go out um, or, or, you know, to come back to your, your original question or statements, we're definitely playing with that. Uh, with a, we're a lot more sure about ourselves and the players are, are clearly a lot more sure about who they feel they should be beating. And the only team, bizarrely, that I've not seen us play with that authority against the season was Man United in the FA Cup. They, they kind of strangled, strangled us the first 20 minutes and, and the players were almost in shock thinking, wow, this hasn't happened to us this season. And, and they played within themselves almost for the whole game as a result of that. So it'll be interesting to see the next time we come against, come up against a team that do really, you know, dominate us for, for the first half hour because that's the only time I've seen us this season struggle was yeah. against Man United at home, like really struggle. I mean, Leeds actually Leeds done the same thing, yeah. um, and we struggled against them. We still got we got more chances against Leeds than we did against Man United, but it was similar where Leeds, you know, really took the game to us early on, and, and we look, looked a little bit. Shocked. Yeah. Um, I was going to. You know, the argument. Go on. Sorry. Andre Gomez was a, is a player who's coming for some criticism. You know, I think I've heard you and Millsy almost right, not write him off, but like write him off as a, more of a squad player than a fit, first team started at, uh, at the minute. But he had a really good game, and I think that's you know one of a couple of a good games he's had in the last few weeks. So yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's a fair point. Me and Mills have I've made both of those comments really that you know maybe he's not going to be a, a permanent fixture in the sides when everyone's fit and questioning whether he can start and make an impact on games and and that did subsequently lead to him being substitute quite a lot over the last six weeks, but making more of a positive impact when he came on and you know he, he got a start against uh, Sheffield Wednesday on on Sunday and was playing a bit more of a he has a bit more freedom. Um, Sigurdsson, I mean, I suppose that was a reflection of the opposition to Corey done a lot of the dirty work playing deeper. Um, and, and Sigurdsson and Gomez were getting in, in the box a lot more, but Gomez seems to flourish a lot more in that role rather than Sigurdsson, ironically. He um, he set up the first goal for the Dominic Calvert-Lewin and, and was just seemed like he was playing with a lot more creative flair. Now, again, you, you'll have both the cynics and some of the Evertonians going, well, look, it was only Chef Wes, he needs to do it against the better sides. And I completely agree with that. Um, go on, Gary. You gonna say something? No Evertonians are cynics, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both. Better both, yeah. Um but yeah, the argument would be as I say that that he needs to do it against the better sides, and I agree with that. But he certainly had a good game on Sunday, and like you say, Philly, he has turned in a, a, quite a few more better performances in recent weeks. So hopefully that continues. Um and he, he will definitely be playing against Leicester. Yeah. I was gonna say Alan Alan's been out for a while. So someone's had to step up in that in the middle of the park, and and I'm not saying they do the same job, but they're kind of the same position, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and and although they don't do the same job, it's a deep line midfielder that Alan is playing as. Although he, he does contribute a lot in the, you know, off the ball and in the defensive side of things in terms of breaking the play up and and, and being physical in there, um, he, he is a deep line midfielder whose whose responsibility when we got the ball is is to take the ball out from the keeper and play out from the back. And and he does he, that's a perfect role for Gomez and that's the role that we always seen him playing. It's just he's not being able to cover that ground. But 
with Takori alongside him, which is a big concern going into the Leicester game, of course. With, with Takori alongside him, Gomez has probably been has felt like the shackles have been off a little bit more in terms of you know um, doing the legwork. But big big shout out, sorry, just before we we move on to other things, big shout out to young Thierry Small, uh, left back who came on late in the game, but he became Everton's youngest ever player. Six, 16 years and 176 days. Um, I'm not sure if Jose Baxter will be disappointed or just happy that another young player has got through, but he took Jose Baxter's record by 15 days. But congratulations to him and, and good to see you know a youngster getting out there and making his debut alongside Tyler and Yango. Um, I actually don't think T- young Thierry got a touch of the ball, uh, oh. unfortunately. He may have done, so I might be wrong there. But Tyler and Yango come on as a, as a midfielder. Got quite a few touches in there. Um, he, he looked desperate to just go and get a touch and go and get on the ball. But great to see some young players getting a debut. So, what have you learned from that game, Georgie? Have you been able to learn anything, or is it just like you just have to save the opposition? Or you know, wasn't at the level? Or is there something you can take from it into the upcoming fixtures? Um, what we can take from it is is we, we haven't come out of the fixture gassed like we were against Rotherham. You know, we, we've had the chance to, to make a lot of substitutions at 60, 60 to 70 minutes, take players off who, who we want to keep fresh. Um, and we, we've got the job done really efficiently. Um, I think we've learned that we probably, we weren't at full tilt. Do you know what I mean? We, we weren't. And and, and it, it, it certainly, we, we can't move on from the fixture without talking about how influential, you know, Hamas Rodriguez was. You know, a lot of questions were, were raised when he came out, whether he fancy it. And a lot of, German pundits were suggesting that it was the winter, the Bavarian winter, that they mm. killed him in, in Munich and he weren't able to handle that. It was minus two on Sunday against Sheffield Wednesday. You know, who were well off for it, who were well off for kicking lumps out of him. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Stoke, but it was Sheffield Wednesday, minus two on Merseyside. And, and, and he more than fancies it. He, he was getting stuck in from the way go. He set up two goals. He was by a country mile. He's expecting to be better than any of their players, but he was by a country mile the best player in the pitch. And if his, if his role solely was to play against teams that are weaker than us and to break those teams down, and he played 10, 15 games a season, it'd be worth its weight in goals. I just know that every time he's come on the pitch and he's fancies it, we've we've cruised through games. Um, and, and and look, but, but in fairness, it has been a bit against the teams that, have been willing to sit off and, and 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 try and absorb that pressure, but the fact is we haven't had anyone like that in a long time who's able to single-handedly break down defenses like he did the other night. When teams sit off, that's where you want a player who can do that. They they want some of the hardest players to come come across. That that's it, and and it was always going to be a question as to whether he was going to fit into a system or or this that and the other. But like I say, um, the other the other night was was a, was a perfect. Um, example of what he can do for us, and and you know the stats of goals and assists. There's only Harry Kane and someone else I think who, who've registered better goals and assists um, at home this season. I think he's got three goals and eight assists in home games. So clearly the home games and like you say, Phil, when teams sit off is where he is where he flourishes and finds it easier. And I think that's the case with most players like him who are that creative. They, they want to just be able to roam, don't they? And 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 maybe not have as much defensive responsibilities. Or Everton a real set piece from um, a real threat from set pieces this this season. I know you scored two corners. I suppose you've got some big players, haven't you? Well, yeah, we we've now scored more goals from set pieces than any other team. So it, it's 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 an obvious statement, but you are right, and I think that's a combination of three things. One, it's Luca Dean and and Hamas Rodriguez 
consistent delivery from from set pieces. Sigurdsson's got a couple of assists in there as well, but it's mainly the the, the, the former, and and it's also our, our you know physical side. You know, you've got Yeri Mina, you've got Michael Keane, you've got Godfrey, you've got Holgate. In a lot of games this season, we've had four centre backs playing. Uh, you've got Calvert Lewin, you've got Richarlison. So you've got a lot of players in the side to core, a lot of real big physical players who enjoy those physical duels. So I think it's a combination of good delivery and and, and big players who love battling in the air. And, and I suppose you've got to um, give some credit to the, the coaching team as well. You know, they, they obviously practice those set, piece, set pieces as well. And it's been a long while. I think it's certainly been since the David Moyes area that we've had a team that are so dominant from set plays and, and, and you know, execute them so well in, in, in games. Crazy old, old quick football terms, isn't it? Because do you remember when we first started up every week? It was Everton uh, defending corners. Should we be zonal? Should we be man to man? No one could solve the problem. Now you, now you know, you're brilliant from set pieces. I suppose I haven't looked at your stats, but I'm assuming it, it translates defensively as well as. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting as well. And I, I know uh, Carragher's looked at it quite a bit on on Monday Night Football. We defend very deep. From, from set piece, you know, free kicks. Yeah. So the way that it's a lot of teams now play that really high line, you see them standing on the edge of the area yeah. trying to catch the other team offside. We have a bank of defenders literally on our six-yard box and another bank in front of them and then the rest man mark. And so it's an interesting and, and different way of going about it, but it, it has worked for us this season, yeah. yeah. So the fifth round draw is already being made, hasn't it? Who, who's next for you? Spurs. We've got spares at Goodison, so it's a, it's a tough game. I mean, I watched them last night against Wickham, and although Wickham gave them a bit of a scare, they've just got so much strength and depth. And you talk about players and teams playing with confidence. Um, you know that they've they've got a you know buzzing out of them at the moment. I know we're going to come on to your game, but that ends on and Dambele at the moment. It looks unreal for them. He's he's really turned a corner in the last four to five weeks, and he he looks like the missing piece of that puzzle. He was the player who told me you were Yui on the M6, weren't he? Wasn't he coming to sign for you? No, that's Sissoko, that. That's oh, Sissoko. And Zombele was from Leon. Um, he, he, he didn't really get that... Well, he played under Pochettino, but didn't really get that much game time. And Mourinho seems to have done a bit of work with him, whether it was in the lockdown or whatever. I don't know, but he's, he certainly turned a corner. I mean, he, he scored that ridiculous finish against Sheff, Sheffield United the other day, the other week. I don't know if you've seen that, where he... Kind of lobs the keeper with his first touch, and then come on last night for fifteen minutes, set up two and scored. Uh, sorry, scored two and set up one within about fifteen minutes. Yeah. Again against the championship side, but he looks he looks really good. And I, I said to the blue, I think we're, we're going to have to be at our very best to beat them because you know Mourinho is definitely taking the competition seriously. Am I right in thinking uh, Calvert Lewin's prolific start of the season kind of um, petered out a little bit? So nice to see him. Get a goal. Yeah, it is. It, it he's obviously been injured the last few weeks as well. He, he's just come back from a, from an injury. So, uh, you know, the, the last few weeks are, are more a reflection of his injury. But yeah, he had a bit of a barren spell. Um, but yeah, he, he was back to his old self in the, in the sense of just buzzing around the six-yard box last night. I think sometimes having a, a break from the team through injury helps a little bit sometimes when you when you haven't been scoring because you come back in and, and it's like, you know, it's almost like that spell never happens. You just look back at your stats and know that you are still leading goal scorer. Um, but yeah, he was in the right place at the right time really early on last night and and, and looked really fresh, which is a massive boost for us because he, he looked really, like, tired, I thought, before he got the injury. And that adds up, I guess. You do get injuries when, when you're tired. Um, but yeah, really big boost for us, getting him getting back to form and, and, and you know, 
Um, it's going to be a big, big beach for us. Looking forward to tomorrow's game against Leicester. Yeah, obviously the, that's we haven't got any more Everton games to uh, to review, have we? Because your your league games coming tomorrow, so we've got some social media questions there. No, no, we're going to move on to the Leicester game. We've we've covered all the social media in the um yeah, the, in Scottish the in your game. Nine to eleven, haven't we? Are we going to come to that now? Then I think so. We'll do that now, shall we? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I'll have to name check the 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 man who, who sent in this question as well because it was a cracking question. But yeah. I'll let you introduce it, Phil, and then I'll I'll grab his name for you. Yeah. So we've been asked the question to prepare our combined eleven Liverpool and Everton, but you can only use Scottish players. So this is all time. It's not Premier League here or something like that. I think we'd struggle to get eleven. Yeah. So so it was Mar- Marcus Irvine. Uh, or Marcus Evans, depends on how he's pronouncing. I'm, I'm assuming it's it's Irvine, but anyway, uh, yeah, cracking question, Marcus. And 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 as Phil said, we, what we've done is just picked our, our Scottish players that we were felt within the frame, and then tried to pick an eleven out of those Scottish players. So I'll try and mention some of the players we have missed out towards the ends anyway. So the to be fair, the, oh, it wasn't that hard, was it? Because the players in the positions, it was almost impossible to debate that someone else deserved the slot. You know, quite yeah, I think I think there's one I'll maybe argue for, uh, and and we'll probably mention both of them. Uh, but he didn't naturally play in that position, so it's it's kind of, um, yeah, you'll you'll get it when it when we come okay. to it. We'll start at the back and work our way forward. So, in goal, Tommy Lawrence was one of Liverpool's greatest ever keepers. He played 306 games for Liverpool, and he was part of the the very first ever FA Cup. Winning the first FA Cup women Liverpool side in 1965, so I think he goes straight in without too much competition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was struggling to really find a, a, a recognised um, Scottish goalkeeper, so I can't really argue with that. And um, I actually know Tommy Lawrence's son as well, so that would be that 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 would have been very. Um, I would have got a lot of stick for not for not giving him that one. Yeah, so. Um, should we start with the right back then? Yeah, and that's the one I'm going to have a little bit of uh, debate with on that one, but we can mention well, your one first. I'm going to go Steve Nicholl, 343 appearances for Liverpool, 37 goals, three FA Cups, four league titles, one European Cup. Go on, Judge. See if you can raise Yeah, it, that, that's what I mean. I think his credentials are, are, are going to wipe the floor at mine, and, but I'm, I'm just going for a former across-the-park guest, and that's David Weir. Um Again, a, a fantastic career um, as as a player, not not least for Everton. But for Everton, two hundred and thirty five appearances and ten goals, played sixty nine ga- games for Scotland. Fantastic pro. I think the only reason I would give it to you, let let alone the uh, the honours that you've just um, listed, would be the fact that David Weir would definitely consider himself a, a recognised centre back. And unfortunately, you might struggle to get past these two. Yeah, go on. You can name your centre back first. Yeah. So. You know, Davy Weir again as as an Everton player and a, as an Everton Scottish legend would walk into that team. Um, Davy, I think will will concede this one and was allowing me to give the place as as a as a footballer to Richard Goff. <laughs> uh, we didn't have Richard Goff for that long. Um, I'm going to say he, he had less than fifty appearances easily, um, yeah. but I'll, I'll correct myself in a moment. It, it I'm wrong. But... just an absolute beast, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, he was a beast, and I think he was 38 when he signed for us, but looked like a 25 year old. And I, I can't even imagine, I can't begin to imagine how good he was when he was 25 because he was ridiculous when he played for us. Yeah, yeah, he played 38 games between 99 and 2001, but 294 games for Rangers, 165 games for Dundee. 
49 games for Tottenham, 61 games for, for Scotland. I suppose, appearance-wise, he'd be fairly similar to, to David Weir, but I think David Weir himself concedes that, that you know, Richard Goff's the best player he, he ever played with, certainly as a centre-back. So I'm going to give the Everton vote to Richard Goff. I did enjoy the David Weir podcast. He's such a professional man, isn't he? He's so um, It's a good podcast for anyone who wants to listen to go back through the archives. Gary, tell them who the other centre-half is without any shadow of doubt. Well, there is no doubt, is there? It had to be Alan Anson. Yeah. I don't think there's been a better centre-half for a better Scottish centre-half ever existed. 434 games for Liverpool, eight goals, seven league titles in OS, two FA Cups and three European Cups. How's that for a CV? Wow. Yeah, ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? And, 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 you know, even I was brought up um, being told about how much of a brilliant player Alan Anson was, you know, just as a footballer to watch. You know, it was like I used to watch loads of videos from the 70s and the 80s and as a defender and, you know, as culture defenders go, it was Franz Beckenbauer and it was Alan Anson. They were the two players that, and Brazy, you know, you looked at those three and thought they're the players that are benchmarks around that position and, and I think he, he, he was one of the first British players to just make that position look effortless. Do you know what I mean? There were so many dogged. Yeah, you know, I see, obviously, his, his playing career, but I did remember seeing a Legends game. And uh, at the time, there was a rugby union player for England. I can't think he was famous at the time. A beast he was. And um, Alan Hansen had the ball just in front of the cop. And this player was storming in behind him. I thought, oh my God, he's going to kill Alan Hansen. And just Alan Hansen crack, cracked on. He didn't know he was there. And just at the last second, he just turned around, put it through his legs. And this rugby union <laughs> player just went sliding across the pitch. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm gutted I've missed Hansen's career because I think that sort of epitom- epitomised what he was all about. Class. So, so left back, I didn't, I didn't really. I mean, we had Gary Naismith, who, who was a decent player. Do you know what I mean? He was a he was a, a run of the mill left back, nice guy <laughs> in that. But I, I couldn't really argue with Andy Robertson. Yeah. Well, one Premier League, one Champions League, 111 so far appearances so far. Hopefully. Seven league titles and three-year European Cups. That would be nice by the time he's finished, wouldn't it, Gary? Oh, it'd be absolutely glorious stuff, that. <laughs> Pro- properly back to the good old days, then. Your reign's over now, anyway. He's finished. He was clap leaves in a few in a, in a few weeks' time. He's, he's we're, we're finished the season after a, a league title. What, the bleeding hell of Everton? <laughs> well, well we're, we're on the way, lads. We're on the up. Oh, I'm going to make sure I've got the minute and second of that for when you're having a meltdown at the end of this year. Get your coat <laughs> on and get moving. <laughs> right, midfield then. I think um, there's a, this player we've been trying to get on the podcast, haven't we? We've sent him a few messages. He's been flirting with us, but uh, we, we can't get the, we can't get the uh, signature on, on the paper just yet. Yeah, Don Hutchison has said a few times that, that he will do a podcast with us. So to be fair to him, he, he has he has said that he'll do it. Um, but like you say, he hasn't actually turned up yet. So until we've got him here, we're not going to be announcing that. Well, we're not going to be announcing he's doing one. Yeah, just give him some grief on Twitter. Just get on his case, get him on the podcast. That's it. Yeah. So any of the listeners, if you if you do follow Don Hutchison, go and you know tweet him or tag us in there and, and make sure you, you know we get him in here but yeah we put him in the team anyway because you know the other the other options I had were, were Scott Gemmell John Collins who, who I personally loved as a player but as Rick Millsy rightfully said he, he wasn't he wasn't great for us and I can't really argue with that but I just loved him as a footballer generally aside from his Everton career 
Um, so yeah, Donatism was was definitely my pick, and, and I think you agreed with putting him in there as well. Yeah, he only played forty five games for us. I think he had a although he come through at Liverpool, but he left fairly early on to go, and I think he had a, a sort of more of his career was at Everton, wasn't he? Yeah, he was he was a very good player for us at a very difficult time, and, and obviously that's hopefully something we can cover at, at length. Yeah, in the in the upcoming podcast, but we'll move on to the other midfielders anyway. One of my favourite players of all time, the hardest man, hardest or second hardest man who's ever played for Liverpool, who battered Dyche and Klopp at the same time. If it comes out, <laughs> Graham Souness, what a player. 247 appearances, 38 goals, five league titles, three FA Cups, three European Cups. And, you know, what more can you say about the man? Just what a player. Yeah, to be fair, I'd, I'd, I'd obviously never seen him play. Uh, he was well before my t- my time of watching football, but I've certainly heard my fella talking about him. And, yeah, it's it's been... It, and Believe me, it's hard, it's hard to please my fella as a footballer, but... He's one that there's never a bad word about. He he, he really really loved him like so. Yeah, to, uh, uh, what I know of him and what I've I've heard of him and and the, the highlights I've seen of him and obviously the the honours he's won. What you've read out there, he was absolutely world class. I seen him on um, soccer AM. You know, have you ever seen it where they punch punch the thing and get a score? And, I've, yeah, seen, I've seen you attempt that. You know, <laughs> you know I'm but soon I stepped up and. Um, I thought, oh, he's a bit old here. He might embarrass himself. He proper banged it. He got he scored higher than like Joshua did or something like that. Something like that. Still That's got ridiculous. it. Um, the other midfielder we're going for then, Gary Mack. Only short stint well, at the But before you do that, I've got I've got to mention this guy, and I'm I'm going to allow you to have Gary Mack. But we had Alex Young. He was a Scottish player and one of the best players in our history and part of a, a fantastic team in in the in the sixties, but you know, I'm far too old, young, sorry, far too old. I feel like I'm far too old sometimes. Far too young to really, you know, put any put any stamp on that. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. even even my dad would have been too young to, to kind of really remember that. So I've got to mention him. You know, I'll he, let you he, have he was... Yeah, I might even let you have him because Gary Mack, he was massive for us, but it was only for a season, the, the treble season. You know, he scored some big goals, least of all the one against Everton. That was a nice goal, but uh, he contributed to the European Cup, uh, the UEFA Cup final and all that. But Absolutely not letting them have him. Gary Mack is going right in that midfield. I don't know what you're talking about. For that podcast. Judge, you can't even remember him. I'm, you're talking about ditching Gary no, Mack. Well, I obviously can't remember him. He, he's, a, he's a player who'd be up, in our, you know, up on the wall in any Everton history lesson, but I, I can't say that I like watch them play and stuff. I was allowed to have Gary Mack on, on the basis that you've seen him play and you know what I mean? Yeah, well, the reason why I would be prepared to let you have him is because, you know, we're on to the three yeah, numbers and I'm going to pick Billy Little. Billy Little was so good that the, that most of the fans renamed our club Littlepool. Like, that's how good he was. A lot of people of that generation and it was the 1940s, we'll say, He's, he's still to this day Liverpool's. Best. Oh, gee, but then if you're having B- Billy Little, Alex Young's in there. That's what I mean. Maybe, maybe I can concede that. But Billy Little, a lot of people say he's Liverpool's best ever player. I can't back it up. Do you know his middle name was Beveridge? It's a weird middle name, isn't it? But um, also another. I wonder why that was. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was his actual middle name. And, um, oh, was it? Really? Class yeah. that. And another um, little known fact was that Man United legend Sir Matt Busby. Actually, he was the Liverpool captain in the, in in that era, and a lot of people don't know that either. But he tipped off the Liverpool scouting system 
and let them know how, how good Billy Little was. So I think he goes straight in. And then, in the middle, I'm going to go with Taglish. Oh, no, 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 no. Graeme no. Sharp's playing up the middle, Phil. Okay, all right. Graeme Sharp's playing up the middle. We, we agree that Kenny oh, Taglish probably... Yeah, cause he, yeah, exactly. That, that's a fair point. Go on, then. We'll, we'll do Graeme Sharp. Go on, go with Taglish first. Taglish, then. 355 appearances, 118 goals, six leagues, one FA Cup, three European Cups, and that's just as a player. You know, let alone what he did as a manager, but one, you know, Liverpool's best ever player up there with Steven Gerrard, one of the two, Scotland's best ever player by a mile. You know, the king. What well, <laughs> I know, yeah, Graham Sharp. I mean, any Everton, he doesn't need a, a, an introduction for any Evertonian. Uh, cup winners, cup medal, two league, two league league title medals, FA Cup. Um, Again, played in Everton's most successful side in in the in the mid eighties. So, again, for, I think you know you, you'd certainly have an argument that Kenny is want to take that spot up the middle, and and I, I wouldn't want to be wrestling in a fight between Sharp and Kenny either in, in their prime. So, I think they'll work out between the players in midfield and and, and the forwards who, who are going to put in. If, if Alex Young was in there, we'd end up playing a four two four. To be fair. So yeah, no, I'm sure I sure we'd have no problem. But thanks for that question, cracking question. And yeah. listeners, if we've if we've missed anyone, which I'm I'm certain we have or overlooked, that's fine. But that is a right as well, isn't it? Oh, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It just shows how, how you know as a nation how, how well Scotland have served both clubs down the years. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the previews, then quick one. Um, this this week. Or in two that and this week in two thousand and nine, or on this day, or on this week in two thousand and nine, it was the fourth round of the FA Cup, uh, and it was the first, the first leg of a, t- a two-legged affair between Everton and Liverpool. The first leg finished one-one at Anfield. It was a it was a Julian Lescott goal that that got the uh, game underway, if you like, or, or um, put us in the lead. And it was a Steven Gerrard equaliser with, with which got used to to replay at Goodison, which will. Which we'll finish on in a moment, but do you remember that game? And I know, I know you were looking back at the season before we started, Phil. I don't remember much from it. I remember the replay more for all the wrong reasons, to be honest. <laughs> but um, it was a season where Liverpool went very close in the league. We finished second. I think it was a bit behind United, and I think it was only a couple of points. I think that the points tally that we got that year would have won us the league in many other seasons gone by in the Premier League. How often do we say that? It's a killer, that, isn't it? It is. That's all I remember about that season, really. And um, yeah, it was more about the league for us than the cups. I remember that. Sounds like Forrest Gump, then. That's <laughs> all I remember about that. <laughs> um, well, that's all I can say about that. Uh, yeah, well, to, to jog your memory a little bit, it, it was. I suppose of, of our team, it was the team where Jolene Les got him. Tim Cale was was it was a big player in that side as well. It was the season that we went to the final, but um, that game that game in itself. To be fair, you were on top for most of the game. I, I was in the the Annie Road end that day, and the goal by Lescott was scored into the cop, and, and your equaliser, Gerard's equaliser, was into the cop as well. It was a competitive game, but it was a proper proper Davy Moyes performance in the sense that. Um, you know, we just dug in and, and waited for our opportunities, and, and we're obviously dominant from 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 the set plays as well. Um, but yeah, good 
De- decent, decently contested derby, but uh, as you say, Phil, it was definitely all about the replay and the replay as most Evertonians remember and, and some Liverpool, play- Liverpool fans remember was a 1-0 after extra time and it was Dan Gosling, his one contribution in a pretty poor Everton career and a career that ends in him trying to force a free transfer to Newcastle, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it, he'll, he'll stay as a... A decent member of the Everton folklore um, for for that goal, and it was it was bizarrely it was another player who will probably be forgotten by a lot of Everton fans going forwards. In Andy Van der Meijer, who supplied the cross, he come off the bench I think in extra time and was it a, volley? It was a brilliant ball. What's it was that a goal? Wasn't it? Was it a volley? Yeah, well, it was it was like a deep cross from Van der Meijer, which kind of bounced in the area and was about to kind of go past, you know, go beyond Gosling, and he looped yeah. it back over his head. Like looped it over, I think it might have been Arbeloa, looped it over Arbeloa's head onto his right foot and then put it into the far corner. So it was a... I remember it, it was I'm a making it sound like it was a worldie. It was, yeah. a, it was a decent goal, yeah. Yeah, and I remember thinking, oh, a kid. A kid for Everton's put us out. That's all. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't one of our kids, uh, unfortunately for us. It wasn't as, as pleasurable. I think we got him from Swindon or something. There's no Curtis Jones. <laughs> It was no Curtis Jones goal, but it was just as sweet at the time. Particularly, <laughs> it was ex- it was extra time, and it was right by your end. I think he turned round and ran towards your end because he didn't really realise where he was. You know what I mean? Um, and he and he certainly hadn't played that many that many games either for us. I apologise to our red listeners for uh, this week in history. This week, but uh, we had eight and a half players in the, in the Scotland team, so we had to let them have one. What let, let us have the week in history? No, yeah. I don't think the listeners will be kidded by that, Phil. They know that you just haven't prepared anything. <laughs> Why is it always on me? <laughs> Go on, let's move on to the previews. We will do okay. So it's it's um it's a starting with Everton's game tomorrow uh, at home to Leicester. Uh, apologies to listeners who who haven't quite got to this stage before the Everton Everton Leicester game, uh, and we will keep this the previews quite sure for that reason, but. Massive game for, for Everton, really, not least in, in the context of the league. Um, I'm just taking a look at, at where Leicester are at the moment. They're obviously just ahead of us. Um, yeah, they are, yeah. They are on 38 points, and Everton have got a game in hand in seventh on 32. So, obviously, if we win the game, it does put us just behind them with a game in hand as well. So, it, it's, it's a massive game in the context of the league in our season, uh, and I'm sure in Leicester's as well. I think they'll be going into it, rightfully so, thinking that you know they want to win the game and, and really cement their their spot up there and, and kind of push us back a little bit. Um, we're going into it obviously in decent form. You know you look at you look at the in fact you've got two games in hand, so it's it's a really it's a huge chance for us to 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 really you know get get in the mix with with the top four or five sides and and, and to really put the pressure on Leicester. You look at the two records ten for us it's ten wins. Two draws, five losses. There's a twelve wins, two draws, five losses. So it's actually two victories between us. And mm. um, so a win against them, or even a draw. I mean, I, I've said to the Blues openly. I think considering we're missing Decore and Allen in the middle of the pitch, uh, Decore's got a one match ban. Allen's obviously still missing for another week. I think missing our two only, you know, combative midfielders, putting us back to our midfield for last season. Really, I would take a draw. Uh, tomorrow, I know Evertonians are going to give me, give me stick for that and and what have you. But Decore has been a massive player for us, mm. um, so it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting one who he goes with in midfield. Um, he has hinted that he might look to to Mason Holgate 
uh, in midfield. The last time he played in midfield was against Man United at Old Trafford last year, and he had a brilliant game. I think he then followed it up in a home game against Chelsea, um, which again was under Duncan Ferguson at the time. So I think Ferguson might have, might have had a word in Ancelotti's ear, ear there to say, look, if you're looking for a combative midfielder, we have got Mason Holgate there, who at the moment isn't able to you know, uh, push out Mina and, and Keane at the centre of defence. So it might not be a bad solution for me. It would absolutely be a solution I'd go for, as opposed to having Tom Davies and, and, and Andre Gomez in there. You know, the listeners know my thoughts about Tom Davies, um, so they, they won't need to second-guess who, who else I would put in there. So I would go with Holgate, and I, I would put um, Gomez alongside him. Judgy, um, you know, earlier but, you talked about the only times sort of you've seen Everton a little bit kind of like overran this season was against Man U and Leeds, and they strike me as mm-hmm. teams who like, who like to press and put a lot of pressure on uh, and, and get forward. That, that's Leicester, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It is definitely. They they do like to press and get in your faces. I mean, we have played Leicester already this season. Uh, We beat them, you know, away. So we we have dealt with them already in a similar manner. But again, I'm I'm fairly sure that um, no, we didn't. Corey didn't play that day. I think Tom Davies played, but um, Decore certainly played and played a a huge part in that. We went with the four centre backs that night out of you know the fact that we didn't have Dean and, and Coleman fit. So it was a different team. And, and a setup, we we very much sat back. I don't think it's going to be an Ancelotti's thought to go and sit back against Leicester. But will he be thinking? Well, do we approach it the same way? I don't know. Yeah, as as often, that that formation was good against Vardy, wasn't it? Or didn't he play? Yeah, but but there's no Vardy, is there? Vardy's got a hip injury, yeah. so he's out for the next few weeks. So that that plays into our hands. But I don't really think that's where the battle's going to be won or lost. I do think it's going to be won or lost in the midfield. Um, and whether we're going to be able to stop the likes of James Madison, who wasn't fully fit when we played them last time. Um, he, he's firing now and playing really well. I think that's where the battle's going to be lost and won, whether we can keep him out the game and whether we can put the emphasis on on Hamas Rodriguez being able to play the opposite role for us. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, I think I would be putting as much contingency in there to protect you know, our, our defence and allow us to play on the front foot as much as, or allow our attacking players to play on the front foot. Yeah, so prediction? Um, I said I was hoping for it, not hoping for a draw. I would take a draw. Um, I'm going to go for 2-2. I, I, think that, I think that both teams will be keen to, to try and stamp their authority on it. I think we're going to go out with confidence and I think that Brendan Rodgers doesn't send his teams out any other way. Yeah. Um, I think there'll definitely be goals in it because we're lacking our defensive midfielders. But, you know, Dominic Carlton back on the team, Richarlison scoring again. Hannes Rodriguez playing well. I can see us getting a couple as well. So I'm going to go for 2-2. Yeah. Okay. And before I get any criticism from the Blues again, uh, I have criticism the other week saying I was building building the Wolves game up as though we were playing well pieces. This Leicester team at a good side. I know we did beat them away, but I think we beat them by being very clever, playing on the counter and, and, and catching them a little bit on an off day. Um, I do think we're capable of beating them. Don't be wrong. We need a few things to go our way, and I just think think it might be one of them nights where, you know, both teams are, are at it, and and you know we can't really be split. Yeah. So, Gary, last oh. week Thursday Sunday didn't work for Liverpool very well at all. This week we're playing Thursday Sunday again, starting with Tottenham in the in the league on on Thursday night. A, a tough game, um, an important game. It's a, it, it's an opportunity for us to, to turn this round and change the picture. But 
are we better off playing a team who are going to come at us? You it know, just sounds the same as every week now, doesn't it? it? It's another opportunity for us to turn it around. It's, it's another opportunity for us to turn it around. It, hopefully, one of them's going to be. We're going to take one of the opportunities. Um, yeah, I would say I would say I'd I'd lean more towards it. It benefits us playing the better teams, probably teams who aren't going to just sit in deep and um, and accept us sort of, you know, controlling controlling possession and things. I think that even though you know. Spurs will probably yeah lean more yeah it's still, it is still Mourinho so we probably will lean more towards doing that but they are at home they are you know the, the, it's not like they're coming to Anfield and 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 he's it can be sort of accepted them doing that I think I think he's he, he'll have to try and at least take some of the ball and 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 use some of the possession so um, I'm hoping that it does play into our hands and it does create a bit more space than what we've been getting in the more recent games and and. It it is we we can take this opportunity to you know t- turn things around and with Salah getting on getting two the other night in the FA Cup I'm, I'm hoping that 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 is goals out mini goals out over, um and he can he can get back to to fire on all cylinders for us. There were some positive signs. It, it wasn't for the full ninety, but for about half an hour from Bobby when it wasn't there, playing a little bit deeper, getting involved in the build up play and creating some chances. Yeah, I think in in a couple of games recently, he, he's shown signs of getting back to yeah. you know what we're used to seeing from him. But it, it's just been a bit too few and far between. There was more of it against United, certainly. Um, and you know, it's not what, a goal though is it? It's a bit deeper. So yeah, back back to what he used to do, where we 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 you know where the Blues used to leather us for saying he was a defensive striker and things. But when he when he was doing them and when he is doing them things right and and to a, the standards we expect from him, then it obviously helps us a, a, a hell of a lot. And it helps us tick better and 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 click better. And you know what? Hopefully, he's sort of getting his confidence a bit. Uh, you know, back up a little bit. I know the defeat, the defeats aren't going to help with confidence, but his his individual performances where he is having them flashes in the pan. I hope, I'm I'm hoping that he is sort of getting himself through this little this little yeah. spell that he's been in. And as I said before, with Salah getting on the score sheet again as well, I'm I'm hoping that's going to help him turn a corner. And you know, it's it's just money now. If we can get all three of them firing again. Then you know, this this uh, little drought that we're on could could be well in the past before yeah. we know it. I was watching the Tottenham documentary thing um, that sort of ended when the pandemic hit and one of the big things Mourinho was trying to get across to the team was that he wanted them to be less nice, more aggressive and that led to them, you know, like Son getting sent off and doing a few moody challenges and that but I think the way Mourinho sets teams up, he wants them to be aggressive and, and, and win the fight before you win the, you know, before you have the right to win the game of football. And something I'll criticise Liverpool for of late is I've seen us pulling out of too many 50-50s. Yeah, I agree. Same, Gary, but that cannot happen. On, on oh, no. Especially if, if, if what you're saying is going to be right and they are going to try and sort of win that fight early doors, we, we can't be pulling out of challenges. It, it's a... It is a big thing sometimes in football. If you if you lose too many of them early on, you you you're losing that mental battle early on, and, and that it's a big thing for the rest of the game. So, yeah, if if that if it does come about that there is a few meaty challenges early doors, we've got to make sure we're in full throttle and and, and we're there for for the fight. But I think talking about the Liverpool v Tottenham game, I don't think you're talking about a, a game of of fighting and things. I think it is a lot more of who's going to be better on the day and what what whose top players are going to turn up and, and have that influence on the game. And, you know, we know on our day, we know we're better than Spurs if, if our players turn up, but we just haven't had that of late. 
Um, so I think, um, I think Milner had a decent game in the last game in midfield. Don't like him in the fullback positions anymore. Um, although you know sometimes we need him to do that, and that's fine. But I think he still offers something from the middle, a bit of experience. He's more creative than people give him credit for. Because didn't he, he? Don't forget, he laid on Salah. He won the ball back, played a one-two with yeah, yeah. and it was a nice little deft touch to Salah. So I wouldn't mind seeing Milner in the midfield um, if, if we're struggling for that third man. You know what? I just, I'll be honest. I just don't know who's who's fit and available at the moment. With Matter being left out, I don't know if that was rested or whether he was injured. I haven't heard anything. Henderson, Henderson, not there. I don't know if he's fit or injured or or, or not ready or what. Yeah, uh, James Pierce said on his Twitter that he's pretty confident Matip was left out to be rested for this game just to protect him a little bit because he's made out of Weetabix. So you would imagine it's Matip and Fabinho in the middle. So in the midfield, it's going to leave us with obviously Thiago, obviously Wijnaldum and A and other. Um, I don't want that to be Shakiri. I don't really want it to be Jones, although okay. But is Henderson definitely out, is he? I think, I think Henderson's not fit. Um, I don't yeah, know. Well, in that case, I, I wouldn't be, you know, disappointed to see Milner in there. Um, I, I, I would tend to agree. I wouldn't want to see Shakiri in there again. Um, at the moment, I'm not feeling Jones either to be at the at the the front of the of that three man, man midfield. Um, yeah, it's just it, it it's one of them. Mil, Milner is one of them who can bring that that experience, as you said, that level head. You know, he is willing to put a challenge in when it needs. He's willing to to sort of leave one on someone if it's needed. You know, not not in a nasty way, but you know, just to let them know they're in the game as well. Um, and he, he works at you know he's he's forever working hard. He, he that's just the type of of player he is. So yeah, I certainly wouldn't be disappointed to see him in in that midfield. It's just we 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 need to be. What what I think a big problem for us of late is we're not quick enough on the ball. We need to move the ball quicker. Every pass seems to be laboured, and we're, we're taking that extra touch instead of instead of getting it forward and instead of moving it on a bit quicker. And we, and we let we let the opposition get into their defensive shape too quickly. Whereas if you think back to our successes over the past couple of years, it was about the you know the, the red arrows that they were that they were nicknamed. They, they were driving yeah. forward on the counter and getting in behind and, and balls were getting played before defenders were having a chance to get back in position. And with that, for me, of late, has just gone. Mr. Judgy, you might be able to come in on this a little bit. Remember when we used to play five-a-side and there'd be teams sitting back? So we'd knock it about at the back, so they'd come at us and then that'd give us space in behind. So watching Liverpool, I almost feel like we need to do that. We need to suck teams on. But do you think that that's not really a thing in 11-a-side, so is it? No, it is. It is that. That's that's um. It's one of the the oldest. It, mm. You don't you don't keep the ball. You you're not always keeping the ball to score. You're keeping the ball to shift the opposition mm. to to create gaps somewhere else. So the purpose of possession a lot of the time at the top level isn't is not always to score immediately from that phase. It's it's to keep the ball to draw the opposition out to then create the the opportunity. That absolutely I do, happens. I do it, think it we. I do think we've tried doing that though. I think that's why the the, the play's been getting slower and and we we are knocking it round a little bit at the back. But teams are, are wise to it; they're not coming out. Yeah, all I was going to say, it's just at the top level, you don't see, particularly in the Premier League, you don't really, with the exception of the likes of Leeds, you don't see teams just going and chasing every area of the pitch. Leeds play like a high press man to man basketball style defence, where they just go and play man to man all over the pitch. 
Yeah. Uh, that doesn't really happen generally. There's a lot more. I mean, he plays it against Man United and got absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Uh, he plays it against Hughes early on in the season, but caught his cold a little bit. Um, even though you still won the game, it was one of them games where they maybe could have nicked something. And it was only because you weren't quite sharp enough in possession at the back. But it does happen. But like Gary's saying, I think a lot of teams will not even entertain that. They'll just go, go ahead. You can have it around the halfway line. We're just not going to bother you there. So you said you'd take a draw against uh, Leicester, Gary. We can't afford a draw here, can we, guys? No. Yeah, sorry, Jujim. Yeah, I, 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 I certainly wouldn't accept the draw. Um, I don't think I'd accept the draw in any game, to be honest. We're on current form in some ways, if you know what I mean. But in the situation that we're in, we can't, can we? I, I still wouldn't, because I think even on current form, I think that that, that can be to a time when we're most dangerous. You know, if, if if teams take us for granted because of the of the run that we are on, if we suddenly it it's it our stride and, and they've they're sort of taken us a bit too lightly. It can be an annihilation. I'm not saying that I'm expecting that to happen on on Thursday, but you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if it was. Um, We've got to fix the right back problem because Mourinho will be all over it, won't he? It's well, we, we've had that for we've had that for three years now, though, haven't we? Since since coming to yeah, the team, we've had, no, no. we've had an answer. We've had a solution with the midfield, but yeah, of course we have. Yeah. We've liked the answer. That's probably another reason to play Milner for me. Yeah, I'd I'd probably agree with you. Um, there's there's not really much more to say about what what selection you have. We've we've sort of covered that. You know, we're happy with Milner going in there alongside Thiago and and um, and Wijnaldum. The front three for me has got to be the usual front three. You can, I, I don't want to be seeing uh, Arigi playing again. Yeah. Um, un- f- to be honest, until Jota's back, I, I'm yeah. I, I want to see them three playing every game. Okay, let's have a prediction. Horrible, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, I, I think we'll. I do think we'll get back to winning ways this on, on Thursday. Um, I don't think it'll be a, an easy game. Maybe a late winner. I want to go two one. We need all the positivity we can get. So I'm going to say, yeah, we're back. We're back to goal scoring ways. We've got Matip back as well. So I'm going to go with a, a two one win as well. So that just leaves. Yeah. Us- Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm absolutely buzzing this this week because while the podcast's going on, I'm getting to watch every single game available. Um, our, our partners, our new partners, Stream Locator, have, have sent me out uh, one of them, their boxes, which basically is like a, another another router. So it sits alongside your internet router. You mm-hmm. plug it into your router and then you move all your traffic basically through that um, and link it back to your telly. So it means that... My my Dazen account D A Z N, which is basically a you know a streaming service, um, which is is available in the UK, but it's more popular in Canada and America, etc. Because you can get the Premier League games on. So yeah. my router is now telling my Dazen account that I'm in Canada. Uh, it is legal, um, so I'm now. Um, I'm on now then. So I'm now I'm not well. No, it's just finished. Uh, yeah. I'm now accessing my Dazen account uh, via a Canadian subscription. So I can watch all of the Prem games. So BT and Sky have been binned off. Yeah. Uh, I think that's costing me £7 a month compared to the £70 a month I was playing for BT and Sky. And yeah. there's all there's like all the, the the Italian games, German games, everything. Uh, not to mention the boxing. Yeah. So it's it's, it's ridiculous. So yeah. thanks to Stream Later, Stream Locator for sending that out. Um, we will be doing some reviews on it and showing uh, our own listeners how you can get one because I think the boxes cost £60, which is... A joke, 
how cheap it is and it's so easy to set up. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to a full week of football. Yeah, it's not just fo- just the football though, is it? Like Netflix and all that, you can get all the American stuff and. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I can't say that the family have had the advantage of, of that yet because I've just been dominating every telly with the footy on. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, you can you can convert your Netflix to like different countries. So I know like a lot of box set series are available in America before we can see them in the UK. So you can see them as soon as you know the the American viewers see them or the Canadian viewers or whatever that might may be. So there's all you can you can flip between countries basically changes you. Where the where the uh, streaming service thinks that you are, which is actually legal, which is yeah. the best bit about it. It's not like a, we're yeah. promoting a black box here before our listeners start reporting us. Um, <laughs> so just watch. No, yeah. Judge, you tell us how much that is. It's sixty pounds. You can get them off. You can get them off Amazon, um, and you can you can get them via their website as well. So it's called Stream Locator. Um, we will be putting some links on our, our own website, and, and I've done like one of those unboxing videos where you can be it basically shows you how easy it is to connect it but in fairness their setup guys is spot on um it, you know it was really easy to follow and I, you know i've even i've even got one for me nan and that shows like that shows how uh, how easy it's going to be to set up well people can message us on twitter facebook instagram or the website if you want a bit more information and we can uh we can set you up with one car yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, but but, but cheers, oh. cheers to their stream. Okay, to for sorting me out first. <laughs> right, okay. So you've just finished watching the West Ham game. I think they won three two against Palace. They did, which which means they're ahead of us in the league, Gary. So you know, it doesn't sound like a big game, West Ham, but actually it is um, at the moment. So another one we can... for for us at the moment, every game's a big game, isn't it? When when you're starting to lose lose points on the leaders, and you, you've got more and more teams who are. You know, slowly but surely getting above you in the league and and, and picking up points while we're while we're continually dropping points. Every game's a big game. Doesn't matter if the bottom of the league. Doesn't matter if they've gone above us. We need points on the board. And you know, as you said there, West Ham have now gone above us. Albeit we've got a game in hand on them, which comes tomorrow. But um, eh, sorry on Thursday. But we've we, we we've just got to get back to winning ways. Starting with the Spurs game and then getting onto the West Ham game. I mean, you know, we, I think we can unpick it to death because we've already said that our preferred team, and I think that can carries on into the West Ham game, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, me. I think my only worry would be the matchup situation. He doesn't seem like he can play two games in a week. So if that's the case, then you know we're reversing two games in a month. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's had a game against West Ham, didn't he? So yeah, and I think with it being a David Moyes side, and you know, we we know what he's what he's basically like and what his teams are like, so. I think Phillips would be a decent shout to go in there alongside Fabinho uh, for that game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's hard to really preview a game that when we've got another game before it. So uh, I just I'm just hoping that that the to- the corner does get turned on Thursday and we can take that into into the Sunday game. Okay, prediction. Oh, go on, Judy. Sorry. No, I was going to say I just think David Moyes would be licking his lips at, at the thought of of the set piece situations against use. You know, with the lack of that, if that's you haven't got a massive fit. Yeah, that's why I play. Yeah, Phil. And... Always good at set pieces, Judy. He might he might not be good against pace on the floor, but West Ham playing to his hands a little bit there. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but go on then, guys. Prediction. I'm I'm going to say we'll we'll do Moyes. Um, I'm I'm Moyes' West Ham team. I'm going to go. Want to go clean sheet? I know they're in a bit of a good, good being a form at the minute, but I'm still going to go clean sheet. I'll say two nil. I think if we're back to winning ways against Tottenham, which we predicted we will be, 
we'll take a lot of confidence into the West Ham game and get back to the Liverpool we know. And I'm going to say 3 0. I hope you're all right. <laughs> okay, please do send us in your predictions as well. So the last last uh, preview we're doing uh, tonight is Everton Newcastle, um, which is on Saturday. So it's before before Liverpool's game again. Like you, difficult one for for to preview when you've got another game coming up before it. Um, but I think the only difference for us is is Decore being back in the sides, which which you know which will definitely help. He's definitely been one of our, our informed players. I don't expect a great deal of changes, albeit if we are going to be a bit more defensive potentially against Leicester, you might see um, an Awobi coming to the side and, and and one of the the more you know defensive midfielders drop out. Uh, we may may or may not see Seamus Coleman uh, against. Against Leicester, the reason being that he might go for a more defensive fullback against Leicester, and then you know unleash James Coleman against Newcastle. I've got no doubt that Luca Dean will play both games if he's able to physically. But with him coming back from an, from an extended layoff, he, he may only play against Leicester and may not play the whole game against against Newcastle. So I think it'll be more a case of who's fit, who's not fit. But you know, following tonight's results, I just hope Bruce doesn't get sacked before before Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Scored one goal um, in the last five games, Newcastle. Yeah, yeah they, they look they look very toothless, and and I think it will be a game absolutely. The Hammers Rodriguez will be licking his lips, you know, like like Moise will be licking his lips on the set piece situation. Say you're loving that licking lips. Analogy. Yeah, I'm licking my lips. To be honest, I'm starving. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I think Hamas Rodriguez will be looking forward to because he'll, he'll be getting that that deep block and and loads of players in front of him to 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 go nutmeg and and try and you know try and open open gaps where where there's no gap to be found. Um, but I fancy us to to do to do Newcastle and and probably put the final nail in, in Steve Bruce's coffin. Um, I'm gonna go four nil. Wow, optimistic. Four nil. Okay, so that wraps up. I wonder, I wonder when the last time Judgey predicted the 4 0 Everton win was. <laughs> Gotta be some time there. Yeah, it, it probably is, and it was probably followed up by a 4 0 defeat or something yeah, in reality. Got beat, yeah. So I don't I don't want to know when the last time was and and, and hopefully <laughs> I'm not turning up on next week's episode two defeats later. Um, <laughs> but again, thanks everyone for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Um any questions as always or feedback, please get get it get us through the website or through our various social media channels. Take care, catch us all next week.